Hey friends, welcome to the Connected Families podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Bellward. Our purpose in this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth, and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Well, you know, that intro that I just said, and I say it on every podcast about receiving God's grace and truth so that you, so that I (laughs) can pass that grace onto our children is really our heartbeat here at Connected Families. And it's also especially true for the conversation that I'm going to have today. You know, no matter how your children came to your family, if it's adoption or biologically, we all have a story. We all have had hard times, hard things, losses, disappointments that we've lived through. Well, we journey through them. And as we experience more of Jesus filling in his perspective of the story, the more wholeness, the more grace and truth is received and then passed on. So today I invited Taylor Irby to join me on the podcast. Taylor is a Connected Families parent coach and a mama to kids who came to her family biologically and through adoption, just like I have. So hey, Taylor, welcome to the podcast again. Hi, Stacy. Good to talk again. I know. In our show notes, we'll have links to the other podcasts that you have been on. I'm so grateful, but Taylor, November is kind of adoption month. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a little bit of an adoption thread through our conversation today, but we both are in a similar boat that we have had our families, our children come to us through both adoption and biologically. So tell us about your family. Yeah. So we have five kids. Our first four are biological. We have our daughter is 16, a son who's 15, a daughter who is 11, another daughter who's nine. And then our little guy, Isaac, came to us through adoption from Bulgaria. He has some special needs and he's six. Thanks. How exciting. And your family were previously workers in another country. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. In 2009, we left to go to Sarajevo, Bosnia. And we only had two kids back then. Felt like more. But you know, back then when you just have two. Yeah. (laughs) If you have a bigger family now, you're like, whoa. Izzy was three and Elijah was almost two. And then we were there for 11 years serving with Campus Crusade for Christ, working with high school students and college students. And then we left in 2020, right when the pandemic broke out. So great. And then we've come to know you because you are now a Connected Families Certified parent coach. That's such a mouthful, but you came to Minnesota where a lot of us at Connected Families are, and we had the the coaches gathering and that was just exciting. It was such a sweet time. Like, I mean, highlight of my life so far, really. I just kind of like, I have our little picture right here. I'm looking at in the baton that, that Jim passed on. And I'm just so grateful to be part of this community. Right. Jim, our co-founder, and just we've we've trained many, many, many in lots of countries, lots of parent coaches that are meeting with parents one-on-one to coach them through the Connected Families framework. And you're one of them. And so I love that. In fact, the content for today's podcast comes a little bit from a presentation that you gave at that gathering around behaviors that are controlling and anxious. It was called controlling behaviors and insecurity or insecurity and controlling behaviors. Yes. From mm-hmm. parents, correct? Yes. So we just wanted to weave kind of that, that training that you did into the idea that, Hey, we as parents have walked through hard things. And I know that you have walked through hard things and I have walked through hard things. And so no matter what, 
no matter what our story is. I think even just the fact that we have disappointments in life, right? Like as young people, we have sometimes these glorious visions of what married life and what parenting will look like. And we paint this beautiful picture. And the reality is just not always like that, is it? Right. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) It's different. And so as we walk through life, we realize that we do need to work on some things. So let me ask you this first question. How did the reality of life differ Mm. from parenting and also maybe adoption? So weave those two together because adoption is another place where people have this big, glorious picture Mm -hmm. of adopting a child and it could look very different. Same as parenting a biological child. Yeah. So, you know, I think I've always wanted to be a mom. Like I remember being a little girl and getting baby dolls. And even when I was 12, my one wish was I would get a baby doll that looked real. And I used my own money to go to the to the store and buy this baby doll clothes yeah. and pacifiers and blankets. And I would take, this sounds kind of creepy, but I would take the baby doll to like the movie theater and hold her <laughs> and people would think that it was a real baby. And like, looking back, my mom must have been like, oh, she looks like a teenage mom, but I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I would get stressed. I would just run into my room and hold Um, that baby doll. It was like a weighted baby doll, you know, and I would rock it. And, you know, had a deep nurturing heart. Yeah. I rescued animals off the street. Yeah. You know, know, I just loved and I babysat all the time. And I just thought, oh, this is going to be the best thing ever just to be a mom and stay Uh home with babies. And what I didn't know is that, you know, having your own children and, being home with them all day long, so much, it just doesn't stop. And so I didn't know that I had anxiety. I didn't know that I had fear. I didn't know that I had deep, deep insecurities about all this. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of based my dreams and my life over this idea of being a mother. And then when I became a mother, it was just kind of like, (gasps) oh my goodness, what am I doing? You know, and it differs with each kid, but you know, with, with motherhood, that was kind of the picture I painted. I didn't know that I had rage that would kind of bubble up inside of me, you know, that would come on by that I didn't agree with. I think, you know, when we first started the idea of adoption, it was this, oh, let's give a child a home. And you see all these videos. I mean, I was one of those kids that would wake up middle of the night and turn on the the TV. And the only thing that was on was an infomercial about saving the children. And I'd be like, my child's going to love me and it's going to be so great. And yes. I'm doing the Lord's work. And really it was was the Lord that called us. Like I do, I do look back even now and I'm like, yeah, God confirmed it again and again and again and again mm-hmm. and provided for us and provides for Isaac. But to but be I- clear, we're not quote unquote saving a child. Right. You know, we don't like that phrase no. at all. Really they're a gift to our family. They're a gift to yes. our family. Yes. Yes. And you know, when Isaac came home, he did not like me. He pulled my hair out by fistfuls. He would scratch me. He would scream in my face. Mm -hmm. And my husband was in seminary. So my husband got like a week off and then had to go back and was gone from like 830 in the morning to like 10 o'clock at night every day for a long time. And my kids were in school. So I was at home with this stranger who hated me. And I just remember sitting on the floor next to him as he was screaming at the door after Josh left and thinking, all I can do is just be present with him. right? Like he's screaming and screaming and screaming. He has no idea that I'm here to love him, but I can't show him that now. So I'm just going to sit and be a presence. And I remember God just saying, this is what I do with you. You know, you scream and scream and scream and you want, and you think that love is elsewhere, but I'm sitting right here with you. Mm -hmm. And that was just kind of like Jesus caring for me as I'm 
sitting here just being a presence for my child. He likes me now. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Three years later, we're, we're better. But well, and um, now we understand and we especially understand as adoptive, you know, parents is that was fear. Like, you know, he was just totally. working through so much trauma and oh, fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. in the moment, it can be really hard to pull up all the compassion, right? Totally. It can totally. be. And for that, it was more just, it wasn't irritation. It was more just deep sadness of mm. what happened. Like, God, you said this was what, you know, this, this is what you called us to, like you made it clear over and over and over. And you made it clear that Isaac was our child. And yeah. And I knew about trauma and I knew about all these things, but then experience it as something totally different than just mm-hmm. hearing about it and reading about it. Right. Right. The pictures we paint in our head and then the reality of that can often be very different. I know yes. was just in some Q and A's recently, I remember a mom writing just about how she was commenting that her child would have a difficult time, like tantrums or not being able to calm down. And when she couldn't meet that child's need or was rebuffed, the child didn't want to be soothed by the mom. That was just so hard for her because the picture in her mind was that mom meets the needs of the child. And yeah. so that was, that was mm-hmm. very difficult. It's so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even as you said that Stacy, I just hear, you know, just remembering Isaac and his little black onesie he was wearing and like mm-hmm. crying at the door and I'm just sitting there and it's like, we think we're to meet their needs. And I was like, Jesus, she got to meet his need. You mm-hmm. got to be there. You, you've got to show him who you are. You've got to mm-hmm. pour your compassion on him right now. Yeah. I want so bad. It was just heartbreaking, right? Yeah. Well, I know that when expectations are different from reality, it really brings up a lot of stuff inside of us. And so, you know, some are positive, some are negative. I love your story of just calling out to Jesus Mm -hmm. and saying, Jesus, meet me and hearing him speak to you in that moment. But you talked about a little bit about rage. You know, every time I go through the framework with a parent and we talk about fast, large, and loud. I'm like, oh yeah. It feels so good in our bodies to get fast, large, and loud, right? Like it feels <laughs> yeah. so good. And I think there's Lynn could tell you all day about some sort of like thing that happens in the brain with the blood going from the, you know, from one end to like your big muscles. And you know, it just it feels so good. And I was not used to those kinds of quick responses with children. Like I was a teacher. And I babysat all the time and kids loved me. And I was called like the Pied Piper, you know? And it was like, well, dang it. Where's the Pied Piper now? You know, I just want to be on my phone in a closet all day long. I don't want to, you know, and drink tons of tea with whipped cream on top, but I can't, you know, because I'm just, wait a minute. Where are you going with tea? (laughs) Oh man, you got to try it. It's so good. Yeah. So it's like, I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, I think when we're not expecting that we can't be, we can't think to do slow, low and listen because we're, we're expecting ourselves to be this kind, gracious, patient person, you know, but when we can name like, okay, (laughs) I'm prone to rage when this child does this thing over and over then I can prepare myself to slow, low and listen. But yeah, that, that rage is so unexpected when it it comes out of nowhere. True. So what were some of the other, like just negatives that you had to work through in yourself? Uh, Still working through, right? 
always are. We're always a work in progress. But as you think back to the work that you've done, which I know is extensive, (laughs) just what were some of the the things that you worked through and and how did God help you in those? I think the first thing was deep, deep insecurity. You bring this baby into the world and you get a ton of advice, right? Yeah. Or you get a ton of, you shouldn't do this. You should do this. You're doing this wrong. You know, your baby's crying. I remember in Bosnia, Adeline, our third baby was, was screaming and crying and screaming and crying and screaming and crying. And I was trying to soothe her and it wasn't working. And our, our windows were not very well insulated. Mm-hmm. And I got a ring on my doorbell <laughs> and I went down to open the door and it was this little elderly woman. And she said, ma'am, don't you know to put bourbon on her gums to soothe her pain? <laughs> and I'm just like, thank you very much. Shut the door. Right. But it's like, we're getting advice from all of these little corners and it makes us question our abilities. It makes us question, you know, are we enough? Like, am I the right mom for this kid? Even like when they're getting older and they're having certain discipline scenarios, you feel like you're not prepared for And you start to question, am I the right mom? Like, did God make a mistake in this? Mm -hmm. You know? And so like, I really struggled a long time with some of my kids with that, with just, I'm not the right person for this. I don't have what it takes, you know, like, and I would never say God made a mistake, but I was believing that. And so being able to look back and say, no, like God made me the mom for this child. God chose this child for me. And I'm the only mom that can fill these shoes. (laughs) Nobody else can do it. And then for Isaac, our adopted one, like God chose him to be in our family. Right. And so just going back to that truth and meditating on that truth and saying, okay, God, so if you chose me to do this. You're going to show up. You're going to show up for me. You're going to show up for this child. You're going to show up for the situation. And I don't have to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to feel so vulnerable or I can be vulnerable with you. I can be vulnerable with trusted people because, mm-hmm. because you chose me. That's yeah. my high calling. <laughs> I love that. It's what do I believe about God mm-hmm. and who he is and his influence in my life and in the world and how he created me and how he's taking care of people in my life, the kids that he brought to me. What do I believe about that? That he's sovereign, he's in control, that even in the midst of loss and hard things, there always is that, especially around adoption, right? That he can make beauty out of ashes. And so he brought us together. He thinks that I'm the fit mom. Right. Right. And I look back and I'm like, what do you mean, God? Like, yeah. really? Yeah. Like, like, I have to deal with this and this and this. Really? Yeah. You know, but it's God says, yes, yes, I'm going to equip you to do it. And I'm going to, yeah. we're going to go through the greatest journey together. We're going to go through yeah. the, the valleys and everything in between. And we're going to have the best adventure doing it together. Yeah. You know, and in the end, you're going to be so much closer to your kids because you went through it together. Right. Or you're going to have heartbreak, but I'm going to be there with you. And so being able to really just trust him that he's working. Our story is not over yet. And he's always writing something. He's always up to something. So you've talked about how just one of the negatives that came out of the different expectations was the insecurities. And that was so good. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back, I know that another big one is controlling Mm -hmm. and that's a negative. So we got to talk about that and we'll do that right after the break, Taylor. 
When God's grace really lands in families, kids get a personal experience of the kind of life that makes it natural for them to choose to follow Jesus. Well, over the past 20 years of ministry, we've seen this grace come to life in generations of families from Minneapolis to Sydney and lots of places in between. As Connected Families enters its third decade of ministry, we seek to reach the next generation of families by partnering with churches and nonprofits, providing fresh online content and training and certifying parent coaches to walk alongside families anywhere in the world where parents are hungry for a better way. We're so grateful to God to be part of the community that has joined his eternal mission to bring the grace and truth of Jesus to life in families from generation to generation. Will you join us for the next generation? A gift of $50 covers the annual cost of your own weekly inspiration and pays it forward to another parent. A gift of $250 equips a church, mom's group, or ministry to register for a small group and $600 allows five families to participate in discipline that connects with your child's heart on full scholarship. Consider donating today and thank you. All right, Taylor, we're here after the break. We've already had such a great conversation. It's just fun to talk to another mom who's adopted and biological kids. And we just have a similar story. You were workers in Bosnia. I am a missionary kid too. So we have the international connection. But you were talking about before we went to the break, you were just talking about the behaviors that come out of us as parents. Yes. <laughs> when we walk through hard times, the journey, and you had mentioned that one of them was insecurity, but that you had received God's grace, God's truth, and how that had just transformed everything for you. And so I want to dive into the second one. I know this is part of the workshop that you did that I had right. mentioned, but this is a big one for me too controlling, right? Yeah. Things start getting hard. Our kids aren't quote unquote acting the way we think they should. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's biological kids, but then adopted kids have another layer of behaviors that come out of trauma that we maybe have oh. never seen before. Totally. And that's confusing and we don't know how to deal with it. And we're thinking, right. wait a minute, the old ways that we were parented wow. and maybe worked with, with, you know, biological kids or they're not working. And so now what? So now we have fear. Well, I don't know about you, but I kind of do because I know that's what we're going to talk about. And it's true about me. It's controlling. Tell me about that in your life. That whole controlling thing. I mean, it really, we talked about this in the workshop is it really goes back to having that insecure heart and not, not trusting that God is going to meet the deep needs that I have needs like love and intimacy needs like acceptance and belonging, right? Relationships, significance, security. We're so afraid that that's going to get attacked that then we, we try to cover our hearts with other things. Right. And that's where those controlling behaviors come in. So for me, it, it usually has to do with way up phone usage. So I know, you know, I think, I don't know if you get these, but every Sunday I get a little notification saying you, your screen time was up this much or was down this much. And yeah. I can tell it was up a whole lot. And I wasn't using it for a map to get everywhere. <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't a reason for it to be up. No. Ooh. Okay. Let me look back at my week here. Where was I trying to fill that need and that void myself through scrolling endlessly through shopping, you know, 
-hmm. not buying anything, but just shopping endlessly or Pinterest, just all of these things are a wonderful resource to us. Right. And, And a really great in a great way that, you know, we have now to stay connected. I mean, the whole reason I was able to become a parent coach is because of these things, you know, but when I'm using these things endlessly and aimlessly and just keep on going and going and going, that's kind of a clear sign that something's something I need to pay attention to. There's other things like trying to explain myself over, you know, over explain myself, uh, trying to be understood. And, and if I feel like I'm not understood, I'm just going to talk and talk and talk and talk to try to make somebody understand me. Even though and louder we, and louder and louder, right? And louder and louder and louder. Yeah. Right. Or, or more and more flustered, like, oh, but, 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 but I'm, but, but, you know, and you just, we just kind of get kind of lost in that mm-hmm. spiral that really goes inward, you know, judging other people like, oh, wow. Like, well, look at me with my baby. She's not crying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Look at my adopted child. He, he loves me. He's giving me hugs and look at me, everybody. Look at all the work I've done. You know, like after he hated me and then he started giving me hugs and uh, which is really beautiful people, people to see who have seen the whole thing, but it can quickly turn into a, let me prove myself Mm. kind of thing. So withdrawing, we're going through a really hard time right now. And my tendency, which is not my personality at all, is to just kind of withdraw Mm -hmm. and kind of climb back into my bed and put my covers over my head because I can't. Mm -hmm with it. Mm-hmm. So all of these things are, you know, there's, there's, there's a ton more. And, and some of these things are not bad in and of themselves, like online shopping. It's great. It's so helpful. Right. But yeah. when it becomes a problem, when we become obsessed and we can't stop, we can't stop. And we just scroll and scroll and scroll, you know, it really, when it boils down, like these behaviors, you know, basically just asking myself when I'm trying to prove myself, what am I trying to do for me? Am I lashing out because I deeply don't know what to do. And I can't feel like I can do it. And I feel deeply, deeply insignificant here. Am I, you know, trying to become an expert on something because people need to know that I know something and I I provide value to the situation. Um, Am I going to try too hard in a relationship because it's got to work out? Because if it doesn't, then that means that, you know, I'm not in right relationship with somebody else. And that's just going to break down my whole system. So these are kind of the things that can come up when we are insecure and some of the behaviors that can happen when we controlling excessively cleaning, we've seen people, you know, excessively working just over, over and above because it's something that they can do. I I find it interesting. All of those things are not controlling of our kids because Mm -hmm. I know that we can get controlling of our kids too. We we need immediate change. This was one for me, right? I asked you to do the kitchen Uh and I want it done now. Like I need you getting up and going into the kitchen and starting in the dishes right now until I realized, whoa, Stacy, back up a minute. That is all about you. Yep. Right. And it just, and it was just such a a check for me. Like how controlling do I have to be that they need to move immediately so that I know that it's getting done so that I can feel peace because it was just, it's a a yucky roller coaster right there. It was such a simple shift for me to say, Hey, I realize what's going on inside of me. We all know that question here, right? On the podcast. (laughs) Foundation. Yes. That we're asking. And so I can just calm that puppy right down and say, Hey, I need the kitchen cleaned. Can you get that started soon? Get the answer. Yes. How much time do you think it'll take before you get in there and get started? Yes. What a change that was for me and for my child, because I was handing some of that control off to them. 
Tell me what to expect. Let's come together and decide, you know, then it would be like, oh, in 20 minutes, that's not going to work. Maybe, maybe 10. Could you get in there within 10 minutes? Yeah. That was just one little way that I caught myself in controlling and then was able to switch that to a team solution. Right. Absolutely. That right there brings us into this right relationship with our kids. Right. And it, it really does satisfy that, that longing, you know, Mm -hmm. and instead of, you know, we don't want to be the nagging mom. We don't want to be the overbearing controlling. We don't want our kids to remember mom just wanted the house clean. That's all she wanted. You know, we want to know that we've been in right relationship with our kids. And, you know, we, when we work through the connected families framework, we see that we see that we're set up for that. Right. And it's our job to parent wisely. And it's our children's job to respond wisely over time. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I can work the framework just right. And my kids not respond with wisdom and that's not on me. Right. That's, that's their own heart work and to trust that God's at work there. I don't have to jump then back to my old way of, well, this way worked. (laughs) No, it didn't. (laughs) It might've worked to have gotten the behavior if it needed to happen immediately like that, but it's not going to work to grow relationship in the long term. Right. Right. That story I just told, I think about it in terms of adopted kids who have walked through more trauma, maybe than others, maybe, or biological kids of all different personalities, right? You have the compliant or, you know, the kids that will be the arguers, right? So control doesn't land too well, especially on our kids who walk through trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's reminding me of the sensitive and intense course, which is coming out this next year. I've been working a lot with Lynn on that and getting it produced. And so it, this is just, you know, it's just reminding me of how when kids have walked through trauma or they have those underlying issues, they have a tendency to just really rise up against that control and push back. Wow. And so even earlier in the show, as you and I talked about how our adopted kids react in ways that we're not used to, that was one of them for me was Mm. like that. So then that control, wow, it made things bad. It was a war then it was you want me versus you bring it on mom. I'm ready. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So I really had to pull back on that as, as soon as I really started understanding all of this and what a difference it's made. Absolutely. So say more, say more about the switch. That was my little story around control. (laughs) It's filled with grace and truth. Mm. That's where it's me receiving that so that I can pass it on. But I know that you have some other suggestions just around the switch, the moving from control to what is the truth in the moment? Absolutely. Yeah. And it starts with really just recognizing, okay, this is not, you know, a simple addiction. I feel like we use that word phone addiction. Like I just say phone addiction because that's my drug of choice, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever it Mine's is. probably chocolate. Okay. Well, I have that too, Stacey. Yeah. I have a lot actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, like really calling it what it is. This is my controlling behavior. This is a clue. This is a symptom of what's mm-hmm. going on. That's deeper. And if I had a cough that wouldn't go away, I'd go see a doctor, right? So I have this controlling behavior that I can't stop, or it's really hard to stop. I'm going to go to the savior and I might need to see a doctor too, right? I might need to see a mental health professional or a coach (laughs) if if it's that different symptoms call for different people. I'm going to see what's going on here. And really like, I need to to look at that controlling behavior. Okay. I'm going to name it. It's this. 
Yeah. Okay. What happens when I go to it? What comes right before that? What am I anxious about? What am I so afraid of or so, or feel so overwhelmed by that's leading to this? And then out of that, like looking back and saying, okay, that thing that I'm anxious about, let me uncover that a bit. If I were to take away what's, what's kind of guarding me, <laughs> if, if the real world were to see all of me, like, what does that look like? And then moving to the fear or the threat, what would that mean for me? What's the worst thing that could happen if they saw mm. who I really am? And I think that's where I get, Ooh, that's where I break down a lot because I don't want people to see the hard stuff and we don't have to show the world, the hard stuff, mm, you yeah. know, but, but just kind of asking that question of ourselves. Ooh. Okay. And that I think is the point where the gospel <laughs> meets with our deepest sense mm-hmm. and our deepest fears and needs is Jesus just taking care of us and picking us up there and saying, I love you in spite of, I, I died for all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Even when you were still sinners, right. Yes. Romans five, eight. And then I have a choice. Am I going to trust that God's going to show up for me? Cause right now this is real scary, you know? And so really when I can get to that point and say, okay, God, I trust that you're here. I trust that you're working. I trust that the story's not over. I trust that I am not a mistake. My child is not a mistake. This pairing is not a mistake. It's so interesting because once we can actually really trust God in that, then he gives us this courage, power, and sound mind like he promises in his word, right? Wow, that is so really, really, really good. I love it. When you, when you were talking about uncovering all this stuff, it was almost like I could see if I had a printout of what I had been thinking about. Uh-huh. Ooh, I, wanna, I would not want anyone to read uh-huh. that printout, right? No. For me, it's so critical. I'm so just critical. Enneagram number one, right? It's like uh-huh. I can just beat myself up over and over again. Yeah. And so all of that stuff. And yet when I pay attention to what I'm thinking about, then you're right. I think then we can name it and we have to start there. We have to start there and we can't just be like, just stop it. Stop with the phone addiction, put it down, put it away, lock. Like that's all the outer things we can do. But until there's a change of the heart, it's not going to happen. That's hard, isn't it, Taylor? Because we have busy lives. We're busy cleaning up milk and getting water. Mommy, I need a drink. I am thirsty. I'm thirsty, right? All of those things. And so can we just give everyone permission? Take time. Take time to go for a walk, go for a walk or sit at the park with your journal or do whatever you need, but to pay attention to what you have been thinking about, because that is what produces emotions. And that's what we behave out of. And so when we do that work, then we can invite Jesus into it. And we can say, Hey, Jesus, what's your perspective on what's going on here? And that's where you did that, Taylor, and did such a great job when you sat down with your son and said, Jesus, what do you want to say? What do you want to be right? right here. And we can get his perspective on our life. And the other place that you talked about receiving the truth of the Lord was courage, power, and sound mind. Yeah. So keep talking about that, Taylor. Yeah. And so, you know, like before we felt so afraid, whatever the worst thing that could happen in our mind, we were so afraid of that. And then Jesus comes in and we, we trust him that he's going to show up, that he's working in our story. And he gives us this courage, this power and the sound mind. And when he does that, then we can have the security and the significance we've been longing for because it's met in the one who never changes instead of 
our kids' behavior that is up and down or the way we performed as a mom, which can be up and down or the way our house looks, which can be up and down, right? Whatever it is, our work performance, you know, and there's that security and that significance that comes from the one who always provides it in a steady stream. And that makes all the difference for how we then show up in life, in parenting our kids and in our relationships. Because then that can lead to a peace and calm. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the opposite is that anxiety we were so anxious about, but now we can be, now we can have that deep peace and calm from that security and that significance he gives. And then at a heartbeat. Yes, it is. And then like, once we get to that point, then we can love and serve others well. Instead of having the controlling behavior as before, we are able to serve and love others well in the way that it was designed. It's an overflow of that deep abiding and trust in the Lord. Instead of that, I don't trust God, therefore I'm afraid. Therefore, you know, I I feel vulnerable and and fragile and open. Mm -hmm. Then I'm anxious and then, okay, I'm just going to deal with it with this thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what you just described is all of the work, the foundation that's under the phrase that we say a lot, can I be okay? Even if my child is not okay, that's what you just described because without that work and without taking the time to let Jesus infuse all of that control and anxiety and fear and all of that emotion around all of the unmet expectations or disappointment or trauma or fear or all of the the controlling behaviors that we have without getting that perspective from Jesus, then it is just true. I'm not okay. No. When they're not okay. Right. Yeah. You can't be right. But like but if we're pulling, if we're pulling from that human, you know, way to fill the need, it's never going to be okay. Yeah. Cause life is not okay. Let's just life say that. Okay. Right? Your kids can be hard. perfect but they're not going to be perfect enough for you. Yeah. It's about what is the truth? How do I experience grace so Mm -hmm. that I can be peaceful, Mm -hmm. trusting in the Lord for the circumstances around me? And you and I know circumstances can be very difficult. Yes, they sure can. I feel like Taylor, you know, I'm thinking about all of the people, you know, we just crossed over a million listens. Wow. That's amazing. It is. I should have started off with that. Maybe I'll start off the next one with that. Cause that is actually huge info. Um, but I just kind of felt like I got this flash of thousands of faces of parents who listen to this podcast and are really walking through very hard things. And they're thinking, yeah, I have got some of these. I'm not scrolling too much. I'm online shopping too much. I'm showing too much rage and anger in my everyday life. And that's because life is really, really hard right now. So I just feel like you're in a really special place to pass on compassion. And so Mm -hmm. what I'm wondering, Taylor, is if you would pray for all of the parents who are listening to this podcast right now and really saying, I need Jesus perspective to get through this. Yeah. I'd love to pray. And we'll end on that. Jesus, we thank you for being our Prince of peace. We thank you, God, that our okayness does not revolve around what we can see, touch, feel Lord. our okayness revolves around your work on the cross. And so Jesus, for that mom that is not sure that her kid's going to be okay to the mom who feels completely under the pile 
uh, literally of laundry or messes or screaming children or colicky baby. Lord, for those parents who just can't find time for each other and they're just craving that time, but there is no time and they feel their marriage is dwindling. God, for the dad who is struggling to show up and doesn't want to repeat maybe his own childhood, Lord, just all these things, God, that are so hard, all of our fears, our worries, our anxieties, all of our hopes and dreams, all of what we, our expectations are of what parenting would be like or adoption. Father God, I just pray that we would have the courage to pull back the curtain and let you examine and do your work. And God, that you would give us the grace to trust you more because we know that trust is in itself a deep work of your grace and your mercy. And so Jesus, as we come to this place and we we close from this podcast, God, I pray that, that that parent, that mom, that dad, that you know is afraid to pick up the phone and call a friend or call a counselor or a therapist or a parent coach, that Lord, you give that, that parent that courage right now to do so, so that you can begin this transforming work in their hearts and remind them that, you, that they are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that you may proclaim your praises and call them out of darkness into your glorious light. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Taylor, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Thank you. It's been a joy. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. All the information about Taylor will be in our show notes. So check it out there. And if you've been inspired by today's podcast or other Connected Families resources, We invite you to join the team of families who are paying it forward. A gift of $25 will cover your own equipping for the year and a gift of 50 will pay it forward to another family. Thank you for tuning in and for considering a year-end gift to Connected Families. Well, for more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.